Wow. So welcome back to the Jake Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Jake Brainy, and yes, you got in a time machine. Yes, we are partying like it's 1994 because the Cleveland Browns are 4-1 for the first time since 1994. If you want to party like it's 1999 and have the hopes and dreams of 4-1, this is the first time that it's happened. You know, when the Browns came back in 1999, knowing that, you know, okay, so the Browns moved to Baltimore with the city, though, knowing that they were going to keep the history in Cleveland and that Baltimore was going to be a brand new history and brand new franchise. We get to keep the old Browns history. Okay. But when the team came back in 1999 as an expansion team, there was a lot of hope, but not a lot of follow through. And that was to be expected because being an expansion franchise is very difficult to build a football team. There were a lot of losing seasons. There was a lot of of firings of coaches moving on from quarterbacks, crazy stories, bad injuries and staff infections and suspensions and drug tests. It's been a crazy 20 years to be a Cleveland Browns fan. However, Today feels really good. Now it's actually Tuesday. It's not Sunday. I've been thinking about this podcast for the last 48 hours. I should have uh, should have recorded this the moment the game ended because I was just so hyped. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, hey, I'm still hyped up about it two days later. So how is everybody doing? I hope you're all enjoying this NFL season so far. It's been a little bit of a crazy one. But if you're a Browns fan, it's been a lot of fun. Four and one. First time since 1994, that team was coached by Bill Belichick. Nick Saban was the defensive coordinator. The team went on to be 11-5. and And frankly, I don't even remember being this excited about the Browns ever at this point in the season. You know, usually by October, I'm either thinking, okay, let's play some young guys. Let's uh, focus on the NFL draft. I mean, it's October 13th. But I'm usually thinking about the NFL draft at this point. So uh, it's a weird feeling to think, okay, they're 4-1. and one, Still only third place in the division uh, because that's how talented the AFC North is. However, you know, it's the Browns' path to the playoffs to lose. Like, yes, there's still a great chance they don't make the playoffs. Uh, ESPN predicts a 76% chance the Browns make the playoffs. 8% chance they make the Super Bowl, which I think is wild. Uh, I know that's just ESPN, and you know it, it, that could be that could mean anything. Uh, injuries happen, COVID happens. There are a lot of things that can get in the way of the Browns having a successful playoff season. However, you know j- you just got to sit back and you just got to enjoy this. These moments don't really happen all that often. So as a Browns fan, I'm just really excited, and it is really cool to see the team firing on all cylinders. Now, how did they get here, right? We're at basically the quarter pole. Uh, you know, it, it is week five, but between some of the COVID delays and, uh, you know, the first couple bye weeks, it's been weird. So I wasn't going to do my quarter pole mark until waiting till everyone actually reaches the quarter mark. Um, and that's where, you know, mostly the teams are. There's a couple, there's actually more than half teams made to five games already, but where do we stand at this quarter pole of the, you know, 16, uh, 17 week season? The Browns started the season off. It was ugly. We all know this. I I covered the Baltimore loss and then I previewed the Cincinnati Bengal victory. 
I, t- I talked about what it was going to take to win that game, what they're going to have to do on Thursday Night Football to stick their heels in the ground and say, listen, the buck stops here. There's no more going backwards. We cannot go 0-2 in the division to start the season. And fortunately, the, they did. Baker came out sharp against Cincinnati. Uh, the offense was firing on all cylinders early on. The defense, uh, you know, at, they are kind of like a bend-don't-break in the back seven. But then the front seven, when they are attacking the quarterback, it's really just the front four because they don't have to blitz with the, how good their D-line is done. Um, it's all about just giving their D-line enough time to get to the quarterback and make plays because Miles Garrett has been the defensive player of the year in the in the NFL this season uh, through five weeks. I mean, it's, it's just how it's been. He leads the league in pressures, forced fumbles. Uh, he's only second in sacks by, I think, a half a sack. Uh, he's supposed to have seven sacks. They're crediting him with six right now. I got to look into that and why uh, they're not counting that safety because in during the game, they said it counts as a sack for Miles Garrett. Maybe Archuleta was wrong, but whatever. Um, but it is exciting to watch the Browns right now. Uh, after that Cincinnati game, you'd realize like they can win if they just stick to a game plan, right? Pound the rock, get to the quarterback with your D-line, take care of the football and have your playmakers make plays when they need to. All right. So Cincinnati, that was like the first blueprint of how the Browns can win games, right? Cause we're throwing Baltimore out. Like that was just tough luck. It was Stefanski's first game ever going against a team that wants revenge for last year. And they are a well-oiled machine, uh, Baltimore. And frankly, we know how to beat them. We know what it takes to beat them. Um, the only problem is getting to that game plan. Uh, I'll get to that later though. So after Cincinnati, the next game was Washington. They had 10 days off to uh, perf- to get ready for this game. They were rusty at times. The first quarter and the third quarter looked ugly, but the second quarter and fourth quarters were very sharp, and it was really time to just put them away. Uh, second quarter, they you know were forcing some turnovers. They weren't getting penalties, and they were really just getting after the quarterback again and again. Uh, they learned... Dwayne Haskins during the game they basically learned that he was going to be staring down guys he wasn't looking off receivers he wasn't going through his progressions and that was eventually going to catch up to them and the announcers even pointed that out it was a really like cool development to see uh, Spielman kind of like point that out and say like hey this is going to happen this is going to work for Cleveland and they did they rallied they had two great quarters two rocky quarters and it turned into a, a, their second straight uh, 14 point victory their second straight 30-point game, and it was feeling good. First time the Browns were 2-1 and one since, uh, like, 2002, something crazy like that. So it was like, okay, all right, like, this is good. This is feeling good. We ended our streak of being 500 or worse, uh, which was leading the NFL. Now it's it's gone. It's a thing of the past. Um, and the Giants actually had the longest streak of being 500 or worse in the NFL. So... Uh, that's the longest streak of weeks being 500 or worse. The Giants lead it. I think they have 50 weeks. So after that, it was Cowboy Week. A lot of people say, okay, all right, the Browns, you know, you beat Washington, you beat Cincinnati, you lost to Baltimore. How, what have we learned about the Browns at this point, right? We've learned that they're not one of the bottom five teams of the NFL. And we learned that they're not the best team in the NFL. That's what we learned so far. So Dallas was going to be a big test. Uh, They went into Dallas and right off the bat just chipped away at them, pounding, pounding their defense with the run game. 
Baker was sharp. The run game was great. Nick Chubb goes down, but Dernis Johnson and Kareem Hunt fill in for him spectacularly. They have some trick plays where Jarvis Landry throws a bomb to Odell on a reverse. Uh, Odell has multiple reverses in the game. Uh, Austin Hooper finds himself open uh, and gets his first touchdown of the year. Kareem Hunt, effective in the pass game and the run game. Baker is sharp. The O-line was crisp and kept Baker clean all day. And they had 31 points in the first half. Second half, they let their foot off the gas a little bit. Dallas comes back. They execute three two-point conversions. And the Browns' 27-point lead whittled all the way down to three when they did recover the onside kick, fortunately. And then one play later, uh, Odell has a 50-yard run for a touchdown to put this game on ice. Browns uh, miss the kick but convert a two-point conversion. Don't even ask me how. Uh, It was crazy. So it's just, it's really cool to see the Browns get to three and one. They are rocking and they're rolling. And everyone's saying, okay, they beat the Cowboys. They score 49 points. We can see that the Browns, they actually have passed a test. You know, an actual real test. Not like, okay, how are they going to do against a team they're much better than? How are they going to do against a team that's much better than them? And they, they passed the test. But people wanted to see more. People said, well... They never pressured Baker Mayfield. This is the worst defense I've ever seen in Dallas. Uh, you know, anyone can drop 40 on them. The Giants are going to do it next week, and the Giants almost did drop 40 on them. Um, so they didn't really have a test until this week. They face Indianapolis. First time that uh, they're 3-1, and one, the Browns, uh, since the mid-'90s, not 94, but... Uh, and they beat Indianapolis, the best defense in the league. So they beat the best offense in the league in a shootout. And then they beat the best defensive league in a game where the Browns started off pretty well. They had four scoring drives in the first half. A field goal, a touchdown, a touchdown, a field goal. They do a great job of managing the ball and the clock in the final minute of the first half to make sure that they get another score right before halftime. Which, by the way, they've done in three straight weeks now. Uh, They've scored in the last minute to make sure that they're the last score before half. This is something called middle eight. You want to make sure, you know, you you check this out. When you watch the good teams play football, when you watch Bill Belichick, when you watch John Harbaugh, the good coaches find a way to score last before half. Even when they score in the middle of the second quarter, they find a way to get the ball back and score one more time before halftime, really like salt in the wound if you're a bad team like the Browns have been because I've seen them give up so many middle eight points and then to start the second half, the other team scores and you're like, how did that team just score 17 points? And all of a sudden this game went from 10-6 to 27-6 and now we feel like we are so out of it. That's called middle eight and when you win the middle eight, you typically win football games because it's, you know, early on in the game, teams are feeling it out. End of the game, you're either playing from behind or if it's a tie game, like, you know, it rarely is a tie game. You usually have a team that's out in the head getting to play the way they want to or a team that's from behind playing the way they aren't designed to play. Not many teams are designed to play from behind. So the Browns won that middle eight. They had a 20 to 10 lead at halftime. Uh, Then the defense teed off in the second half when the offense really kind of, uh, you know, fell apart a little bit. You know, there is no Nick Chubb. 
So they're you know they're gonna have to find out. Nick Chubb's gonna be down for a couple more weeks. I think uh, they said four to six weeks. Uh, he's been out you know one already. Uh, but Kareem Hunt did well. Dernis Johnson had a big run late in the game, and the Browns actually went pass heavy in this game, which was very rare to see from them so far in the season. You know they've done so well through the running game that we didn't really expect this against Indianapolis, but. Indianapolis does have a great offensive, uh, defensive line, so it didn't surprise me after the game to think, you know what, Kevin Stefanski, he's showing he's a good coach because he's trying to win in different ways. He's not going to just stick his head in the sand and say, this is what we do, this is how we play, and we're going to do this every week against whoever we're playing and hope for the best. No, he's like, no, we have talented players at different positions. Some weeks are going to be more important than others. Against Dallas, we're going to let Odell eat. Against Indianapolis, we're going to let Odell be the decoy, and he's going to open up things underneath for us. That's how Austin Hoover gets 10 targets, his first 10-target game of the season. It's how you know Kareem Hunt is able to be effective even though they had a great defensive line. You do things like you mix it up, you you fake handoffs, you fake reverses, you have screen games. You make sure that this D-line doesn't have a chance to tee off on Baker. That's how they didn't get their first sack until the first, in the second half. Baker threw a couple bad balls in the second half, not going to lie. He continues to do this thing where he tries to win it all on one play, which you know I think him and Stefanski are, are still learning together. I mean, obviously, it's been five weeks of real football. So... You know he's gonna have chances to make up for it. He's gonna have chances to learn, and he better because it's Steeler Week. But the Browns had their fourth straight victory, their fourth straight multiple score victory. None of these have been eight points or less. They've all been nine to fifteen points in this winning streak, and people are still questioning the Browns, saying, "Oh well, you know Colts are kind of an average team. Phil Rivers doesn't have it anymore. Oh, you know the Cowboys—they don't have a defense." And, you know, they, they play in the worst division. You know, Washington, Cincinnati, who are they? Who are, They're not even any good. So I kind of like the fact that everyone's still questioning the Browns. It makes me think that, you know, the Browns aren't going to rest on anything. They're not going to sleep easy. They're going to keep on working hard and trying to get better. And I really like that because that's the vibe I'm getting from Coach Kevin Stefanski. It's the vibe I'm getting from the receivers, the running backs, the defense, the quarterback, Everything that you hear is, you know what? No one cares. We have to go win football games. Baker's not talking a whole lot. Uh, Jarvis and Odell not talking a whole lot. The best thing that everyone's doing is they're pumping up each other's teammates saying, we want this guy to lead the league in rushing. We want this guy to be defensive player of the year. We believe in our coach. We believe in Richard Higgins. We believe in Ronnie Harrison. And, you know, these guys that aren't getting a ton of reps are making some plays and everyone's talking good about them. When the offense is down, the defense picks them up. When the defense is down, the offense picks them up. So it's pretty cool to see all these things happening because it finally feels like the Browns have a good head coach. They finally have a direction, and it seems like they have a coach that's willing to change his game plan per week. I've never seen that from a Browns team before. I've always seen, this is what the Browns do. This is like, or, hey, the Browns just do whatever they can do. That's how it's always been in Cleveland. Now it's like, no, Kevin Stefanski goes into Dallas and he's like, we're going to pound the crap out of them because their defense stinks and their D-line's going to be on rollerblades. Our O-line's going to dominate them. And against Indianapolis, he says, no, we're going to keep them off guard. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to throw quick routes. We're going to have our you know big-time players step up and make plays. 
and we're never going to let their defense tee off on us. So I like that. I like seeing that. And then, of course, the defense steps up in, you know, in crunch time and forces a safety. Uh, we get a pick six out of Ronnie Harrison. Good things are happening in Cleveland, and it's really an exciting time to be a Browns fan. Okay, though, moving on to next week's game. Uh, week six, the Browns, 4-1, and one, will be taking on the 4-0 Steelers. And uh, just a couple, like a little breakdown I want to, you know, look into going into this game. You know, the Steelers have the number one run defense. The Browns have the number one run offense. Um, uh, that's really going to come down to, though, I mean, you know, the Browns are without Nick Chubb, and I know they're the number one rush offense mostly because of him. Uh, they might be down Wyatt Teller, which would be a, a a big blow. He has been, you know, like literally one of the top two guards in, uh, you know, according to Pro Football Focus. So that's two, you know, anchors of uh, the Browns offense that they're going to, you know, be without for this matchup. Uh, not to mention this is Jedrick Will's biggest test going up against TJ Watt and the Steelers defense. They're on pace to set the record for sacks by any NFL team. So the Browns have a very big task ahead of them, even though the Colts were statistically the number one defense going into last week. Um, you know, the Steelers definitely have uh, the most, uh, I, I mean, I, won't, I don't want to say the most experienced defense, but it's seemingly like this is the defense that everyone thought coming into the year was going to be the number one, and they've really lived up to it. Colts, I think, have just made some big splash plays, some turnovers turned into touchdowns. Uh, and, you know, both teams, the Steelers and the Colts, haven't really played a whole lot up until this point. So maybe, who knows, maybe the Browns can hang another 30 points on them. And if the Browns can do that, I think they'll win. But, you know, there's a lot going into this game. So uh, let's look at, you know, we'll start with the Browns offense. The rushing game is going to be a little, you know, tougher considering no Chubb, considering no Teller, considering how good the Steelers run D is. And in the past game, I do expect the Browns to have a couple more sacks. They've been really good at protecting Baker all year, but I do expect this Steeler front to get to them a little bit. They're super banged up right now, uh, as well at the wide receiver position, because Jarvis Landry has missed the last two practices. Um, by the way, uh, I took a little break, <laughs> recorded part of this on Tuesday, recording the f- you know, the finishing touch of this podcast on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, but Jarvis Landry has missed some practices because of, I think it was a hip, uh, hip injury that he's been milking for a while. Uh, Odell Beckham was sent home from practice early today because of an illness. I don't believe it's COVID related. You know, they check for that. They tested if, if it was COVID related, we would know by now. Uh, but, you know, the Browns could be down a couple key players. Baker Mayfield is battling this rib injury from that second interception he threw, and he was not looking too good on that. So, you know, this passing offense, it this will really be a great test of what Kevin Stefanski is. Because through the first four, uh, five games and the four wins, we saw him adjust. We saw him take different game plans in based on the opponent. And I was talking about this before. But this is really going to be his biggest test. How do you handle the Pittsburgh defense that clogs running lanes as as well as anybody, but also 
gets after the quarterback better than anyone. So it's going to be really tough. I hope to see a, you know, quick offense, you know, no huddle, maybe the first two drives of the game, maybe the, you know, another one in the first half and then, you know, open the second half the same way. It would be nice to be able to kind of get the Steelers, uh, you know, on their feet a little bit, like on their heels a little bit while, while they second guess things, you know, have guys in motion, have guys, you know, it doesn't have to be reverses, but it could be fake handoffs. It could be RPO type stuff. It could be, you know, play action. Uh, we, we can have a lot of different fake handoffs. Yeah. Play action. Um, so I, I would really like to do that. I know, you know, we play action in the past against the Steelers. It usually we roll right into just an untouched sack. And I can see that happening because the Steelers love to blitz. They love to bring it. Um, and there will be times that it doesn't work out for us. So I hope we keep them on their heels by doing kind of like a quick offense. You saw that a little bit from Cincinnati when they were able to move the ball on the Browns. It was, they were hiking real quick to Joe Burrow and he was getting it out of his hands under two seconds. And it never gave Miles Garrett or Olivier Vernon or the D tackles a chance to get sacks, get pressures, bat balls down. It's It stopped the D line and the front from really getting to him. So I hope we employ a little bit of that. We can use Kareem Hunt. We can use our tight ends and the receivers. We can use all, all, all aspects of our offense to move the ball by getting the ball out quickly. Uh, Kareem Hunt, when he lines up at a wide receiver and you know he brings a linebacker out with him out there, it's a nice mismatch that I'd like to see them take advantage of. Um, as well as the tight end position, because Austin Hooper, you know, I don't think they've used him nearly as much as they want to, but I think this is a game where they could use him because they say, listen, you know, we need our big time players, our high paid players to step up. And as much as I would like it to be deep pass to Odell, he beats the team over the top that those take time. Those plays take a little bit of time to develop. So maybe we hit one or we attempt two of them with uh, play action. I could see them definitely going for it at some point during the game. And we got to hit on those. We got to hit when we get Odell open. He's in that one-on-one -on -one coverage. The safety isn't over to help out. That's when we need to do that. But we're going to need to be able to create holes. This this game starts with the offensive line. If they can get a running game going, which hasn't been easy against the Steelers defense, but the Browns O-line has been able to get the running game against everybody. If they can get some holes, get this running game going, get the linebackers and safeties playing downhill a little bit, that's where we open up the play action. I know it's easier said than done. I know you've probably heard it before, but against the Steeler defense, it's imperative, imperative to do that because if they aren't fearing the run and this D-line is clogging up, they're able to play a little safer and a little bit like not letting Odell take them over the top. And then all of a sudden the Browns are without their number one option and Baker's scrambling looking for who's the number two, who's the number three option. And that's when we kind of see some mistakes happen. So we need a mistake-free game from Baker. We need to know that, listen, sometimes if you have to take the sack, you have to take the sack. Don't just throw it just because you're under pressure. Don't roll out and think you can have extra time because the defense is faster than he's given them credit for this year. So these are a couple things we need to keep in mind in our passing game. That being said, I like Kevin Stefanski. I think he's going to have a pretty good game plan. He's going to come in ready for this team and say, listen, 
We're going to keep them playing on their heels. TJ Watt's not going to have any free shots on Baker Mayfield. Bill Callahan, he's going to, this is like his set, like, you know, they called him, the, uh, Joel Batonio called him the mad scientist today. You know, just scheming up different things to do, different ways to protect, to get out there in the run game and kind of to the second level. And I feel like this is what he is here for. This is the game that he's like, yes, I, I want to go up against the Steelers front and shut them down, pave the road with the running game, but also protect the quarterback and just, you know, confuse the D-line because we, uh, you know, whether it's a chip here or kind of like a, um, a a shifted assignment, there's, there's a lot of things that Bill Callahan does that he doesn't get credit for. But I think this is the type of game where we say, you know, if the Browns win and they do a good job protecting, we'll look and say, how were they able to protect Baker Mayfield where these other teams like Philadelphia and uh, Denver and the Giants uh, weren't able to protect uh, their quarterback against the Steelers? Like who was able to, you know, how were the Browns able to do that? And I think this is that game where we get to see that. So on that side of the ball, uh, I think this is their biggest test, even more so than Indianapolis. That being said, it's it's pretty close with Indianapolis. It's it's equal. It's almost equal. I would say uh, Indianapolis plays a more sound and uh, disciplined defense, whereas the Steelers play a more aggressive, get after you, hairs on fire type of defense. But you saw some teams were able to score some points on them. They give up points. Uh, and I think it's going to be important for, you know, the keys to the Browns is they got to continue with not getting a lot of penalties. They were great last week, only got two five-yard penalties. Uh, both were on the defense, by the way, too. So the offense had no penalties last week. If they can do that, if Baker can hold on to the ball, not have any silly bad turnovers. I say silly, but they were really bad turnovers. Um... Yeah, that's the type. Those are two of the keys, and obviously creating the run, you know, the run uh, holes for the offensive uh, from the offensive line for the running backs. Uh, those will be the three keys, I think, to uh, victory because it's what the Browns are able to do in all of these games. If they can do those three games uh, through three keys, it allows Stefanski to, uh, you know, basically take any game plan he wants, and it'll work. Whether it's uh, you know, Hooper and the tight ends, Najoku and Bryant, or if it's over the top with uh, Odell, if it's having three wide receivers on every play, like we saw a lot in the in, in the game last week against Indianapolis, or if it's, you know, more running back play, if it's a 13 personnel but empty backfield, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to do a lot of different things, but it starts with creating holes for, for the running game, protecting the ball that's more on Baker uh but also on the offensive line and um and of course uh clean clean football no penalties because the, the Steelers are a team that if you get penalties against them they will take advantage of it and uh, you got to strike while the iron is hot you got to take advantage when they bring six and somebody's open you got to you got to hit that guy Baker can't throw into coverage when there's when they're bringing six, if you get that ball off, it needs to go to the open man and it needs to be a crisp pass. Uh, so I think this will be a big test for Baker, big test for Stefanski, and a big test for the O line. Now, when the Steelers are on offense, uh, Big Ben's been pretty good this year. He's uh, a lot better than Philip Rivers uh, at this point in their careers. So 
you know, you just um, you take your last week's game plan of getting after Philip Rivers. It's going to be a little different this week. Offensive lines, very similar. I think the Colts have a better offensive line, even without Costanzo. Um, you know, David DeCastro might be out this week. He uh, he got hurt in last week's game. So like the Teller injury for the Browns, they could be without uh, one of their best linemen and a really good guard. Uh, if that's the case, and we have Larry Ogunjobi and Sheldon Richardson and then possibly Miles Garrett lining up inside on some uh, passing downs, this is where the Browns need to take advantage because they've been able to get to the quarterback without blitzing and they need as many guys in the back seven as possible on every down so if they can continue to get to the quarterback without blitzing that's going to be their first key on defense to the uh, to victory uh, miles garrett i i am expecting a huge game from him i'm expecting the steelers to also try and get under his skin they're going to try and bait him they are going to also try and chip him, double team him. They're not going to want him to get the big game that the Browns want him to have. Uh, you know, regardless of all the you know talk from last year's game, they don't they don't want to face that. Mike Tomlin, you know, he's a smart coach. He's like, listen, I don't need the Browns sideline energized because of an early half, uh, you know, early first quarter, you know, Miles Garrett sack. Like, you don't want the Browns team to be rallying behind that. Uh, you want them to be like, damn, where's Miles today? Uh, even though he's always making you know plays, even if he's not getting to the ball. Uh, another thing about the D-line is, and I've said this a million times playing the Steelers, and I can recall many plays where we get to Ben Roethlisberger, we hit him, he sits there, he takes the hit, and Buster Screen is sitting like on his 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 waist, wrapped around him, doesn't bring him down, and Ben Roethlisberger completes a pass. Or if you hit him and you just knock him up a little bit, but then he he like rolls out and you're like, wait, I thought that would have taken him down, and then he hits a guy on the run. The amount of times that that's happened for the Steelers against the Browns, uh, I, I mean, I can't even begin to explain. I can't begin to explain the amount of second chances we've given Ben Roethlisberger over the years. That can't happen today. In the few games where we have beaten Ben, I know, I know. It has happened, believe it or not. I know last year we beat Mason Rudolph, but uh, I was at well, the game when they blew out the Steelers in 2014, and the game was over by the time the fourth quarter even started. It was like it was like 27 to three, uh, and what the Browns did that day was exactly what they need to do today. Is they they protected the quarterback, they protected the ball, they created running lanes, they played a clean football game on offense. But on defense, what they did was when they got to Ben, they brought him down. They didn't give him second chances. They, you know, Ben will make his mistakes. Don't drop the interception that Ben throws you because he's not going to make too many of them. You know, he'll throw one into your hands. You have to be able to bring it in because you cannot give Steeler uh, drives a second chance. Especially the way that now it's like, okay, you know, Chase Claypool, I know it's one big game, but. This could be his, uh, like, you know, breakout party because they didn't draft him in the second round just to be another wide receiver. They drafted him in the second round to be the next Steelers wide receiver, and that's what they do. They draft really well. They never take a guy that early. I mean, they took Santonio Holmes at the, at the end of the first round, but that was 10 years ago. And I, 10 years ago, maybe even longer. Um, but, you know, you look at the way they just, you know, shuffle the deck Juju Smith-Schuster, he's going into his final year. Uh, you know they don't need to 
they love to put themselves in a position where they never feel like they need to pay the wide receiver, and it it it's a it's a good way to live. You keep on adding wide receivers in those middle rounds, and they don't have a number one. So people that are like, yeah, but Juju's the number one. It's like, no, says who? You know, like Juju was the number one when Antonio Brown lost his mind. Juju became number one overnight. Uh, Antonio Brown, he wasn't always the number one. He was the number two behind other guys like Santonio Holmes or Plaxico Burris or Heinz Ward, like Antoine Randwell. Like the way that this always works is they just have the next guy step up. So that's what I feel like we're seeing from Chase Claypool. And he is physically a problem. He's big. He's, you know, he's 25 pounds away from being a tight end. So uh, to kind of take, you know, take him lightly would be a mistake. Now, Denzel Ward and Terrence Mitchell have been very good this year in coverage, and they're going to have to be because the Steeler O-line is going to win a couple matchups, and Big Ben, he's been rusty throwing downfield this year, but I don't believe those stats. I know, like, they're saying, like, what, he's, like, you know, 20% when going 20 yards or you know more downfield but like a lot of that 20 percent is like he's throwing balls deep and he's giving the wide receiver a chance and it's like if it doesn't work out the ball's out of bounds like they're good shots they're healthy shots that they're taking downfield and that's the part that scares me is it's like okay it feels like they've been warming up for four or five weeks and we didn't get to see them against the titans which would have been a really nice test to see like okay steelers titans see you know the steelers take on one of the better teams in the afc and how to beat them but we didn't get that because of the COVID stuff from the Titans. And as much as they like to brag about the fact that they're, like, hated in the league right now, it's like, okay, cool. You guys uh, are possibly going to fuck over every football player, but uh, brag about it? Whatever. Like, Taylor Lewan, like, you look really smart, man. Really smart. So, uh, you know, when in terms of, like, the Steelers receivers, I'm not going to key in on one guy like you have in the past, like, you know, Juju. Because Chase Claypool could be the guy to take you, like, you know, down. At least this isn't going to be the Chase Claypool come out party because that was last week when he had four touchdowns and should have had five. So, like, at the very least, like, at least you didn't get that game. And hopefully you'll have a little bit of, like, a, you know, a cool down from him. But they still have James Washington. They still have Juju. They still have Claypool. Uh, Eric Ebron seems to be a, a tight end that's always making noise for whatever team he's on. Um, you know, even, even though like, you know, his, his career with the Lions didn't really pan out that well. Uh, and then the running backs, I don't, I'm not all that impressed with James Conner or, I mean, Benny Snell basically lost his backup job. So, uh, I thought he was going to eventually win the job this year. It turns out he's, he's going to be on third team faster than first team, but Anthony McFarlane, he's a pretty good running back. It really doesn't matter who's toting the rock for them. They're very much, you know, in the run game, like the pass, like the receiving game, they're like next man up. So I think the Steelers are going to be able to move the ball a little bit. I think it's imperative to get Ben Roethlisberger down, and that is so much easier said than done. But um, they have a really good receiving uh, core. And Deontay Johnson, I almost forgot about Deontay Johnson. He's really good too. So, uh the Steelers are going to be able to put up points. It's what it's about is making sure they don't get back-to-back drives where like they score a touchdown, Browns go three and out and they have another touchdown drive. And then all of a sudden we're backpedaling and we're freaking out. Like that's what we need to avoid. We need to make sure like the old Browns don't show up. So much like the last two weeks against the Cowboys and against the Colts, 
my head says the Browns should be the better team. They should be the team to come out with a victory. But my heart is just so used to being heartbroken years past every time I jump on the Browns, every time I get excited for them, and then they let me down. Um, but I think... Now, the the injury report's obviously going to be huge because right now it's Baker, Odell, Jarvis, Wyatt Teller. Uh, we already know Chubb is out. Um, there's a couple key players on the D-line. There's a couple linebackers. So, uh, Ronnie Harrison is, is banged up with a concussion. The Browns have a lot of guys in the injury report. So it's going to come down to who's playing on Sunday. With that being said, assuming there's no huge liabilities, I like the Browns' chances. I, um, I, I mean, I don't see either team running away with a big victory. Actually, I could see really anything with this with this rivalry, which, by the way, the rivalry is back on. The Steelers are, are no longer going to treat the Browns like, oh, the, the same old Browns. Like, they know that the Browns can play. They watch the last two weeks, and they're like, okay, their defense can step up uh, and win them a game when they need to. Their offense can also outshoot the, you know, Dak-led Dallas Cowboys. So, with that being said, they know that the Browns are winning games, and they're winning games in different ways. So, they're not going to take the Browns lightly. And they'll, they, they'll remember last year. They'll remember that, you know, the Browns beat them up on Thursday Night Football. They took a couple... Uh, a couple bad shots, you know, Deontay Johnson was like bleeding from the ear, uh, or I think it was Deontay Johnson. Uh, and then of course, obviously, you know, with eight seconds left in the game, the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph thing happened. So, you know, they didn't forget this. And even though they played a game since then, but you know, Pouncey, he's a douchebag. He's an asshole. He'll remember this and he'll have them up for this. TJ Watt, he doesn't like the fact that Miles Garrett is probably leading in the defensive player of the year. Uh, you know, category right now. So he's going to be wanting to get after that. This is a big test for Jedrick Wills going up against TJ Watt. Uh, with all this being said, I still think the Browns come out and get the victory. Uh, I'm not going to pick them to lose this game, even though, like, you know, I could very well see the Steelers, uh, you know, basically just saying, hey, listen, we're still the kings of this rivalry and nothing's changed. But I, I, I like what the Browns have been doing. I like the fact that they can win games in different ways. The huge test, you know, there's tests all over the field for this one. But the big test for me is Baker Mayfield. You know, the last couple games, we've had a chance to, like, slam the door shut uh, in the victories. And we never really did. Uh, you go back to week two, Cincinnati, only a couple days after we got blown out by Baltimore. Uh, we had a really nice game. Baker was super crisp. First half was awesome. Three touchdowns, and the team was just rolling. Then in the second half, you had um, you had a little bit more sloppiness. Uh, Bengals were moving the ball better, but the Browns were winning by nine. There was only a couple minutes left in the game, and what happens, of course, Baker throws an interception trying to go for the, the kill shot in the end zone to Harrison Bryant. He doesn't see the safety kind of like leak out. He thought he had Harrison Bryant like alone in single coverage, and uh, he didn't. Regardless, it was fine. He was trying to ice the game. Or, or, like He was trying to really just like put that final, you know, stick it to them and end the game. Uh, against Dallas, look, we're up 27 points. 
and that lead went all the way down to three. I mean, you know, the Browns scored 31 points in the first half, and if not for an end around and a crazy two point conversion, they only had 10 in the in the second half. So, um, they just uh, that was a game where they could have put Cowboys away, and that was a lot of that was on the defense that was like so gassed and stuff, but. You know, if you want to prevent your defense from getting gassed, you need to be able to run out the clock. And I know that was no Nick Chubb. You know, he got hurt that game. So Dernis Johnson was was pushed into the role uh, of like basically lead back late in the game. But they need to be able to salt away that victory against uh, Dallas. Fortunately, they didn't Browns it away. I know a lot of people would see that and think, oh man, the, here go the Browns again, like always. Uh, but fortunately, they held on to that one. So they held on to that, held on to Cincinnati. And then last week, you know, they were up 10 at halftime. They were basically in control the whole game, but they just never closed the door. A lot of that is, hey, Indianapolis is a good football team, and they're not going to go away quietly. But, you know, we did not generate a lot of offense in the second half. We we gave up our first ha- uh, sack in the second half. We turned the ball over twice with two interceptions. Uh, Baker was 0 for 6 in the fourth quarter. And a little bit of that is on drops. You know, Jarvis Landry had two bad drops in this game where we're like, what the hell happened? Like, that's not Jarvis Landry. And then obviously, yeah, you know, we didn't have Nick Chubb, but we can't use Nick Chubb for an excuse because, you know, injuries happen. So it's really going to come down to Baker. Like, last couple weeks we've won games even though you didn't, like, put that, like, final stamp down. And Kevin Stavansky knows that. He's been, you know, address. He's addressed the whole like, yeah, I know, like I can put Baker in better position to succeed late in the game, and I got to do that. And I love hearing that from our coach because it does come down to the game plan and say, hey, listen, are we going to be ready? Are we going to be able to close this game out? Um, the Browns have done really good in the middle eight as well. You know, of games where in the past you'd see the Ravens take a 13 to 6 lead and it's like oh, all right maybe we can get a field goal or even a touchdown and tie it before half that'd be great and instead the browns don't they punt it with like 40 seconds left and of course the ravens get themselves back into a field goal and then they score a touchdown to open the second half and all of a sudden it's like man did we really just give up 17 points straight in a tie game just like that and that's something that the browns have always done that's like really hurt them but this year since week one uh the browns have done a really good job of scoring before like last before the end of the half and not giving the team that they're facing uh the ball back with enough time so uh if we can get that going that's just another development in the coaching stage where it's like hey listen stefanski if you can draw up a couple like weird uh you know defensive schemes or whatever that throw off the steelers in their last drive before the half so that we get the ball back and possibly have a chance to like double up on them. Those are going to be small keys to victory. And if you don't think they are, you A, haven't watched the Browns. B, don't watch and know what goes into good teams. Like, you know, you, if you see this, you'll know. The Ravens, the Patriots, they fucking do this. They know when they need to beat a team that's really good or better than them, they're like, we need to win that middle eight. So that'll be another key. Uh, big key to this game. So uh, that's it. My my voice is my voice is done. I can talk about this game forever. Uh, regardless, this is going to be a well fought game. 
I think the Browns are going to win 32 to 28. I, uh, <coughs> excuse me. I think that they'll be able to protect Baker. Uh, the Steelers will get to him at some points, but the the Steelers allow some big plays, and I think the Browns' offense is a big big play team. So I'm not, now 32. 32 is a lot. 32, 28, maybe more like um, 26 to 24. That's what I think the Browns are going to win. 26 to 24. Uh, maybe this ends uh, a lot of drives end in field goals. You know that that might have to happen, but you got to take your points where you can against this team, and then. Defensively, I think it's going to come down to uh, if the Browns give the Steelers second chances because they're going to get to Ben at some point, and Ben's going to make some mistakes at some point. And uh, can we end their drives when we need to end them, or do we get a 15-yard face mask? Do we, you know, get an unnecessary roughness or a late hit or a defensive holding? Something that extends these drives. Do we give the Steelers second chances that say, hey, you know what? This was looking like third and long, uh, and we threw an incompletion, but the Browns held, and all of a sudden it's a free first down. Next play is an over-the-top 42-yard touchdown. Like, yeah, I've seen that happen before. I'm, I'm not just, like, making that up in my mind. I've literally seen that. So that's going to be the key to defense is getting to Ben and getting off the field, and then offense – Paving those run, uh, holding onto the ball, protecting the ball, paving those running lanes, and playing clean. We got to play clean. The thing you'll notice about Browns losses to Steelers, usually not clean. Even even the wins of the Steelers, like the win last year, wasn't even clean. We need to play clean football. And that's what Stefanski's been doing this year, and that's why I trust them to do it again this week. Um, You know, I, I... uh, I, it's almost impossible to think of the Browns at five and one. So I want to say like twenty six, twenty four Steelers because of a last second field goal and they like rip our souls out. And I kind of think that that's going to be what happens. Uh, I really do think it comes down to who's got the ball last because I think it's going to be a tight game. Now that I said that, they're, the Browns are definitely going to lose by like two touchdowns and it's going to be ugly and we're going to be like playing shitty. Uh, so hey, who knows? Hopefully I'm wrong. So, alrighty. Dinner's ready. I gotta go. Talk to you guys later. Go Browns.